One month, yeah, you can see that because high-frequency data tends to be noisy, volatile, lots of statistical fluctuations, randomness. So a discrepancy between what should be rather close, even related data data accounts, okay, that, that you can understand. Two months, yeah, you can see that too. You'd be willing to forgive that. Three months, though... That's starting to narrow down the possibility of just random fluctuations, and you're starting to get into some serious length of time that's enough to really start to question what's going on here. So what do you do when the discrepancy reaches 10 months? Or in reality, it's closer to 13. What I'm talking about, of course, is the data numbers. Payrolls, it's Friday! That means... Payroll Friday, since it's the first one of February. We're looking back at January, uh, January's employment report and wondering, what is going on here? Not just in the real economy, but what's going on with the numbers? As you've probably heard by now, the headline number, the payroll number, the establishment survey, or CES, the one that ever gets quoted, seemed like it was a blowout number, better than 500,000 payrolls gained in the month of January. Not only is the economy weathering all of these headwinds, according to this data series, it is doing exceptionally well. 500,000. That's amazing. On the other side, of course, we have the CPS, or the populations, the household survey. That number was, well, we don't really know for sure because... There's a lot going on in these payroll figures. But what I can tell you from, from the start here is that the establishment survey is doing the same stuff it did last year. The household survey is doing the same stuff it did last year, which means they occupy the same planet, but these are different worlds. Same problem, different year. So there is a ton to unpack here with the payroll numbers to try to get any kind of sense of what's going on in the economy and the labor market, which we are going to do today. We've got benchmarks to take apart. We've got, well, we're not going to talk about the NAISC coding changes because that would just be ridiculous, too much minutia. We've got huge annual population control factors, which we do need to talk about. We need to get to the bottom of the labor market, not just because of Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve. We don't really care about that as much. We want to know what's really going on in the economy. And here we are with another ambiguous payroll report that's at almost polar opposites. What do I mean by that? Well, you'll see in just a moment. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I do appreciate it. And if you're really want, interested in getting into the details, deep dive down some of these rabbit holes, we have subscriptions available. A deep dive analysis that is filled with rabbit hole, excur rabbit hole excursions. That's tough to say. As well as a daily briefing where I break down the day's big macroeconomic news as well as what's important in the marketplace. That's with a partnership with Markets Insider Pro. And of course, there's Eurodollar University memberships where we get into the details behind what's really in the monetary system and what we have planned upcoming is some short presentations about how to read things like Eurodollar futures, yield curves, and things like that. Some of the some of the more basics if you're interested. All the information is available at Eurodollar.university. So let's begin with the establishment survey. That's because every that's where everybody begins. And what you may not know is that every year 
the BLS takes the establishment survey and compares it to tax data. That's a common question that comes up is, why don't we just estimate the number of employees by looking at all the employees who are paying taxes? Well, that wouldn't capture everything. There's also privacy issues. So what the BLS does is they survey establishments. They try to get a sense of what the payroll changes are in those establishments. But every year, they wanna check their work. So in the month of March, they get into state tax unemployment filings and, and try to tell how, how far off they may have been. And then they make benchmark annual benchmark adjustments based on what they find from state unemployment tax payments because you can't really lie about tax payments to the government, in theory. So every year, so the, the BLS benchmarks the establishment survey to those tax payments and we get revisions to prior data. This is one of the reasons why the mainstream and economists and policymakers look at the establishment survey as opposed to its other cousin, the household survey, because the establishment survey is made continuous. So when they find out that maybe their benchmark assumptions from the prior year didn't hold up in the current year, they will go back and revise as much data in the, in the historical record as they need to be as, as far as they need to go in order to make a continuous data series. The revisions for this latest uh, benchmark, which were just released today, um, pretty substantial. Much more jobs, according to the establishment survey, especially in 2021, and a bunch more in 2022. Uh, the annual numbers, according to the new revised benchmark, if you go back to 2021, the original estimate was plus 6.74 million. Now they think there was maybe as much as almost half a million more jobs made, uh, jobs not created, jobs regained in 2021. So now it's 7.27 million. In 2022, last year, they originally thought it was about five, four and a half million in increase. Now they're thinking it's 4.81 million increase. But when you look at the monthly numbers and how they apply these benchmark changes, you start to scratch your head a little bit. And one of the reasons why is you can really see when you compare the to two data, the, the, the current benchmark against its prior, uh, the prior series, how they just, in many of these individual, uh, in many of these periods, it seems like they applied a single adjustment factor, which is, kind of what they do anyway, but more more often than not, you see more variation between one benchmark and another. Here, it's just like they bumped up every monthly number by almost the same amount. I'm talking specifically, look at uh, May, June, July, August, September, October of 2021. You see basically the same variation, and then the green, which is the current benchmark, just adds almost the same number to each, each prior benchmark to come up with the new data series. That's not something that should happen. And again, the same thing if you look at the latter half of 2022, starting with June, of course. You got June, July, August, September, October, November, December. The benchmarks, the, uh, the, their, the monthly changes look exactly the same from one series to the next, except the current series is just bumped up a little bit, which that doesn't, I mean, that raises some red flags there. It, it raises some questions. Um, which we'll, 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 we'll try to get into a little bit later. And then finally, we have this massive $500,000 or $500,000, 500,000 employment change for January, 2023, which is already odd 
because you can see the trend beforehand. Maybe this is just a one month outlier like it had been in July of 2022 last year. Remember there was a 500,000 gain then, didn't mean anything. But either way, we had, we had these new benchmarks the new benchmarks say the same thing as the old ones, except with a little more a little more jobs behind them, which is that over the over the course of 2022, the labor market slowed down, regardless of January 2023, even if we don't know exactly by how much. That issue is very much clouded by the fact that over in the CPS data, the household survey. Again, as I said in the beginning, it's almost as if we're occupying a different planet. And one of the problems that we have now is we can't really compare the current debt estimates to all of the prior estimates because the CPS undergoes what's called a population control factor every year. What that means is the Census Bureau, the part of the government that's supposed to take it was supposed to keep track of how many people there are puts out these annual estimates for how many Americans they think live in this country. And what has happened over the previous two years, so this January for 2022 and last January for 2021, the Census Bureau found out there's a few more Americans than we thought there were. Well, they didn't find out, they figured out. They they surveyed and estimated that there were, there were more Americans than they thought they were. And more than that, among the population demographics that gained more, that were bigger than previously thought, happened to be the demographics of working age people. So the population bucket that includes most people between the ages of 25 and 54. And so what the BLS said was, okay, so there's more working age people than we thought. We're just going to assume those people are in the labor force and working. So the BLS slaps this population control factor on its household survey data, as well as the number of the labor force. And what that meant was in January, um, the civilian non-institutional population increased by 954,000 compared to December, which means they're not comparable at all. The civilian labor force grew, uh, it added 871,000, which didn't mean that the labor force increased 871,000 in January it just means that they're they're figuring there was more in the labor force last year than they had counted for in the data that was released. So they're catching it up in this one month adjustment. And that adjustment for overall employment was 810,000. So there wasn't 810,000 more employed in January than December. What they're saying is there were more people employed throughout 2022 they're assuming it, that's the case because the population was bigger. And so they're making this one-time adjustment. And by making this one-time adjustment, it makes all comparable periods less comparable. However, the BLS does tell us that without the population control factor, so using last year's sort of benchmarks before the population control factor, employment in January would have only increased by 84,000, a low number. And meanwhile, at the same time, the labor force would have fallen by 5,000, so practically unchanged. There would not have been an increase in the labor force and employment only gained 84,000. So here we are yet again. When you wade through all the data details, all the benchmarks and revisions, what you, get, what you end up with 
The establishment survey is way up here at 500,000 in January. And it's very likely the household survey is way down here at 84,000. Basically the same discrepancy and divergence that we've been talking about since last year. Only it's gotten to be an extreme. And it's gotten to be extreme over the last couple years. If you compare the two series, and here I'm excluding the population control factors for both January 2023 as well as January 2022, when there was another large population control factor for all the same reasons. Census found more Americans. They happened to be in working age, working, working age, therefore BLS assumed they must be working in the labor force. So when you, when you break the household survey down, take out those population control factors and just sum up the monthly changes, what you find is that in 2020, during that recession, that ridiculously unnecessary recession, the household survey and the establishment survey were relatively in sync. The household survey showed for the calendar year of 2020, a loss of 8.87 million. That compared to the establishment survey, which showed a loss of 9.29 million. So not, not exactly, but in the same vicinity. Then you fast forward to 2021. Now we start to see major divergences. Through calendar year 2021, the household survey gained 6.12 million, while the establishment survey, according to the latest benchmarks, gained 7.27 million. So relatively close, but they're starting to fall further and further apart. And that this, 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 this difference simply got huge in 2022. According to the establishment survey, going back to March, because March is where you can see things really begin to change. Not because of rate hikes, because that's where the supply shock and oil prices and gasoline and energy and food all became their most painful. So since March, this is a period now of 10 months, including January, excluding the household surveys, population control factor, the establishment survey gained 3.65 million, whereas the household survey exactly 1 million. Not even in the same ballpark at all. And the difference is even larger when you go back to the end of 2021 because of various all these various reasons. So the household survey says the economy is sputtering. There's 1 million jobs. That's not good in any year, let alone an economy that's still struggling to come back from the huge hole left in 2020. That's not good. That's bad. 1 million is... That one million is on your way to a recession. One million is weak, so weak that it's going to cut cut back in demand, and it leads to all the things that we see outside of the employment numbers. As does the part of the household survey that we watch in these cyclical transition periods, full time jobs. And here's the thing. Here's the really interesting part: full time jobs, even with a population control factor. Less in January, fewer full-time jobs in January 2023 than in March of 2022. So the idea of companies hiring, cutting hours, all that thing, all that stuff, adjustments in their cost structure, especially with labor, that's still there in the household survey. And it's especially there in full-time jobs because the BLS assigned all of that population control factor to part-time jobs. In, 20, in January 2023. So the household survey overall, not looking good. 
the establishment survey, some, it, the economy, the labor market have slowed down, but it's arguable by how much. And then there's the weird stuff, the really weird stuff. The really weird one, which is what I'm going to leave you with here, is average hours worked. Average hours worked, if you recall, the, the previous estimates showed that uh, in, in December of 2022, so the previous month, the average hours worked had ticked down to 34.3, which was consistent with an economy heading into recession, fewer and fewer hours being worked. Well, there's, of course, benchmark revisions to that series. It's now the December 2022 estimate is now 34.4. But for January, consistent with what we see in the CES, suddenly the average hours worked during uh, average weekly hours worked jumped, surged to 34.7. That's a three tenths of an hour increase, which how unusual is that? How atypical is that? Well, it's only happened twice in the entire series, which goes back to 2006 under its current current format. And those two times happened to be February of 2021 and May of 2020. In February, or not February 21, March of 2021, after the, remember what happened in February, that, that freezing weather in Texas that shut down much of that part of the country as well as other parts of the, other parts of the economy, that's where you see in March of 21, 2021, hours come back after that, after a big drop in February. The other one, May of 2020, obviously, the big reopening, the big, the big, uh, the first initial push out of the pandemic restrictions into reopening. So are we, we're really thinking that in January of 2023, something huge happened like reopening in 2020 that, that caused uh, companies to suddenly work their workers so much that average hourly works, average weekly um, hours expanded at a rate rarely seen. That's, that's what to me sticks out, especially when you consider all the rest of the data in the household survey. Now, what I'm saying, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy here. I'm not saying that the data is being, the books are being cooked by the government for whatever nefarious reasons. What I'm saying is that a lot of these statistical rules and procedures that are in place to calculate these numbers, I don't think they're ideally situated for our current circumstances. And they're leading to all these things. When you look at the, the benchmark changes between 2022 and 2021 in the establishment survey, how they're so similar, like, like, like there was a common applied factor to each. That to me is a red flag. That to me is something else is going on here where the BLS is attempting as best as it maybe can to make a data series that doesn't really fit with the current circumstances to try to shoehorn it in there, to really shove it into so that it's not such a big discrepancy. Whereas the household survey, where the, none of this stuff really goes on, they just kind of let it fly. They don't even, they don't even, they don't even revise backwards from benchmarks you start to see maybe a little bit more of the real economy come through because it doesn't have all of these statistical problems placed on top of it. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. As always, thank you very much for joining me and a huge, a huge thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as all of the research subscribers. And until next time, take care.